now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. See, a United States Astro Robot becomes a creature of death. And these. We have come here to this planet for one purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From class to the cults of the cheese in between, the movies are beep, the entertainment is grade A. And I am your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti, and I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good morning, Jay. Uh, today we have an incredible movie. Not the Hulk, not even the two-headed transplant, but the incredible Melting Man. And we'll get to it right after this. Astronaut Stephen West was returning from outer space. But something terrible had happened. Remember now, his mind is so completely decomposed. We've got to find him. He's gonna need human cells to live on. Stephen West had turned into the incredible melting man. new horror creature. Come prepare. The Incredible Melting Man was released December 9th, 1977 with an 84-minute running time. Your director here is uh, William Seish, uh, and he is known, um, well, he's a, um, an American film director and producer um, who went to school in London. Um, and he actually had produced, uh, um, some of his, he has, he has movies to his name, uh, like Dear Mrs. Smith, which, uh, where are we going into? Um, There Is No Number 13, um, Hot Chili, Last Hour. So this might be, um, uh, one of his more, uh, well-known movies, um, like Exterminator 2, I've seen, because it's on the same Blu-ray with Exterminator 1, um, but, you know, kind of thing, but this, he's, he's more of a, that, he was also known, um, 
as a film doctor for doctoring up movies um, that were already uh, um, produced. So he, has, he also has a writing credit. Your producer was Samuel W. Gelfman. Um, your um, production company was uh, Quartet Productions, distributed by American International Pictures, of course, AIP, known for their putting out kind of I don't want to say schlock, but kind of like, you know, schlocky kind of pictures. Um, and then it was Columbia, EMI, Warner Distributions internationally. Um, originally, originally, this movie was supposed to be a parody. And it was designed to be a kind of like a tongue-in-cheek send-up to uh, the old 50s and 60s kind of like, you know, um, radiation movies, but done in a, like, but with gruesome horror effects or whatever. Um, but the problem was... Uh, then they started looking at it. They said, well, you know what? This actually might work better as a horror movie. So they cut all the comedic scenes out and refilmed them with now horror scenes that we added in. Um, they were, they wanted to, they thought they'd be much more successful shooting it that way. AIP also felt as a horror movie, this would make more money than the, than the comedic stuff they were seeing. So think about that, right? That, well, it was done that way. Um, Columbia actually handled, like I said, they handled the international rights. Now, the makeup effects in this movie are very young Rick Baker. And you'll remember Rick Baker also worked on, like, Octoman, which is in the, in the 70s also. Um, so this is early on Rick Baker before he gets into doing America Wear from London and all the other stuff he winds up doing. Um, and the makeups in this movie are not what you would think the movie and, you know, any of the down parts of this film are. Um, some of the acting might not be up to snuff. But might not. Well, I'm saying um, the the thing is though the film was actually a commercial success. This movie made a bunch yeah, of money, yeah. um, but it was trashed by every critic everywhere, yep. which makes sense. And what everyone's uh, main takeaway from the movie was: Rick Baker did an amazing job with these effects. This is disgusting. This is in the best ways. This is what it's got to be. And that's one of the reasons why um, I want to talk about this. It actually, for those of you who remember. Um, this actually was featured in the comedy It Came from Hollywood in 1982, which has got scenes cut up from movies and stuff like that. And they, um, I forget who the two comedians are um, who are talking um, over it. And they're designed to have it. Um, okay, so it's Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Gilda Radner, and Cheech and Chong. Um, and what they do, there's, yeah, yeah, so a lot of, shockingly, the Cheech and Chong stuff focuses on marijuana stuff. And then there's a lot of gorilla stuff in there and whatever. But it's them showing these little cut ups in the movie. And what most people remember this for, obviously, is that later in 1987, when like Luke and I talked about this earlier this year, RoboCop, right, the scene where he's melting is a direct inspiration. Um, even Phil Tippett's even talked about that, how his direct inspiration, because it's Rob Bottin doing the uh, the uh, suit, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, Phil Tippett doing the the stop motion. Like, think about the names you're talking about. Rick Baker is their friend. Rick Baker was Rob Bottin's mentor, right, right? Kind of thing. So, as an homage to him, when when Emil is melting, that's it's supposed to be an homage to that. I mean, then he gets splattered all over the windshield, right. you know, kind of thing. Um, and of course, um, in season se season seven of Mystery Science Theater three thousand episode, uh, they they actually did an episode, uh, you know, talking over the movie, which I know you don't love, and then Red Meat Led. Red Letter Media um, also considers this one of the best of the worst uh, <laughs> films. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The movie, I mean, okay, I own the Blu-ray of this. It's streaming in the high def. I know there's a 2K whatever restoration coming. Like, the special effects in the movie are not the problem at all here. Like, if it was just the guy melting, 
that's it looks great. I mean, he's he's absolutely he is absolutely disgusting, and he's dripping everywhere. That's the right. He's just dripping everywhere. My favorite scene is still the last scene in the entire movie, but we'll talk about that when we get there with the janitor. Um, so Alex Rebar uh, is your star. Burr uh, DeBenning, De uh, Myron Healy, those are your main stars here. Um, so let's get into this. So during a space flight to Saturn, three astronauts are exposed to a blast of radiation, which kills two of them and causes serious injuries to the third, who that's uh, Colonel Steve West. Now, um, you remember when we did um, I Married a Monster from Outer Space? Yeah. Bill? In this movie, it's Steve? Steve. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. I know it's not supposed to be like that, but whenever someone goes, Steve? I was just like, Bill? Yeah. I mean, the thing is now, but, you know, it's, but he, he, the other two astronauts mm -hmm. die. I mean, that, the scene where, where they're going uh, yeah. in the beginning is pretty good. It's but, 1977. It looks yeah, fine. But it, look, that's right. It looks fine. But, why is he the only survivor? Because how did the, did the ship get back to Earth? And, it, and it's never explained. If he's incapacitated, like he, like you see him in the in the the whole in the the whole the, the hospital. Yeah. How the heck? Or he, the storage facility, or the uh, right, yeah. or whatever, because it's not a hospital. The right. outside's clearly not a hospital. Right. But yeah. <laughs> how, how did the ship? I mean, so right away again, I'm looking at this and trying to figure out if they had just explained how they got back. Okay, well the story can go pretty good now. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so um, he wakes up in the hospital back on Earth. Uh, when West awakens and is horrified to find his flesh on his face and hand is melting away. Now, I'll throw this out there, right? The the hospital room looks kind of like a hospital, maybe for like a like if you were at a like a makeshift like right. on an army base or something. They didn't have one. It kind of looks like it's kind of a, got a door and beds and whatever. As soon as they open the door, you realize this is just in a warehouse somewhere. Right. And then they go to the hallway, which is clearly a warehouse, and outside is the same warehouse. So that's well, what they had. But well, the thing here is that when when the, it's six minutes in and you get to see his face. Yeah. So Baker's first foray in this movie for his his effects are at six minutes yeah. in. And so, he's now only the semi melted. Yes. He's not melted, melted. But, but he's, he's he's melting. Right, but, but he's, he's not melted. But he's gross. Yeah, he's he's and he's very drippy. So wait, wait, so begin, <laughs> but this is a pretty smart move. At six minutes in, you see, hey, yeah, what's going to happen? Well, well, that's the whole thing. They're hooking you. They're, okay, right. So if you're making a comedy, this would not be. You wouldn't want to you know put the horrible stuff. Or he'd be funnier looking. It would look uh, weird. Where would this? I, mean, I, I don't. I can't, I can't imagine this thing was a, was a comedy. But it, but it was. And then they. So the thing is, and they had Baker on to do the effects. So I wonder if the effects were supposed to be kind of silly. So I have having Metamorphosis at home. The the book that nearly like you yeah. know tore my groin picking it up. Um, the the thing is, he talks all about different things, but it's not like they go movie by movie by movie necessarily on every single thing he ever did. He talks about different effects, and they do talk about certain movies much more in depth than other movies, right? Right? But like, I don't. I've never heard anything anywhere that said, "Oh, it was supposed to be really goofy looking." He was supposed to like have a googly eyes, like none of the things like that. It was just always supposed to be, "Oh, he's always melting." But I'm like, if someone is melting, right? They're gonna look gross because Rick Baker's not making the guy look melting like it's a comet. So it's not melting like for those of you who know the movie Freaked, they would do where it's like over the top silly. This is melting like, well, your skin's melting off your body from radiation burns. Well, it looks like this. Yeah. You know, it looks like a pile of goop. 
hitting the ground. I mean, and maybe they were going to make the sounds. Weird. I don't know. Like, Whatever. I don't think this works as a comedy. Yeah. But by the same token, other movies we've heard are like, well, this was supposed to be a musical. Like, well, I don't know if that was going to work either. Um, so uh, he wakes up, his hands and face are melting. Hysterical, he attacks and kills a nurse um, who is uh, Bonnie Inch is her name. She's in the movie for like a minute. And she gets a lot of oh. stuff all over her. Yeah, but she, yeah. she has one of the best scenes in the movie. She is so far over the top screaming. Yes. I mean, at the top of her lungs, <laughs> running down the hallway. Yeah. And then she gets to break through a glass door and then is running. And then she's running in the parking lot. And you have this POV view of her running into the parking yeah. lot from the melting man's eyes. Yeah. Which you can also see is clearly not a hallway in a hospital. So, yeah, right. any hospital anywhere. Uh, and then escapes the hospital in a panic. He escapes. All right. So, Dr. Loring. And Dr. Theodore Ted Nelson. So he's Ted. That's the other name. So they Ted, you know, Steve, Bill. Like it's it's so it's just funny because those things stick with me as yeah. we go. Um, uh, a scientist and a, uh, and uh, so Dr. Ted Nelson is the scientist, um, and he's a friend of uh, of, of uh, Steve West. Uh, discovered the nurse's corpse and is emitting uh, feeble radiation, and they realize that West's body has become radioactive. Now he. They know he's melting, but they don't know how bad he's melting yet because they kind of saw him melting a little bit. And they told the nurse, give him this shot every whatever. Don't leave him. Yeah, and then that all hell breaks loose. Uh, Nelson believes that West has gone insane and concludes that he must consume human flesh in order to slow the melting. I'm not sure how he got that. Right. I feel like there was something missing there. Now you're saying... But, Jay, you're willing to believe that he's melting. Right. Yeah. I'm just not getting how eating human flesh is going to slow the melting down. Right. Now, I mean, the zombies eat the flesh just for the sake of eating the flesh. Right. But uh, it's uh, I, you're right. So if, you had, if he had said to me, he needs to get somewhere cold to slow the melting down, that makes sense. Yeah. Cold will slow down maybe the process, right? Yeah. Or but it's not eating only, human flesh? Yeah, but it's not only that he's eating human flesh. They, they, they reveal that... He's getting much stronger. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, getting, he's getting stronger. So there are things here that are, um, the audience are just along, we're discovering it just as long as everyone else did, because everyone else in the movie seems to know these things and we didn't, but it's okay. Um, where are we? Okay. Nelson calls uh, General Michael Perry, is a U.S. Um, Air Force officer. Uh, who's familiar with West's with with West's accident, and the general agrees to come help find Nelson. So, like, I get that this guy's supposed to be an Air Force general, right? But like, I don't know. Some of these scenes, this you're just like, oh, is it just one take? We're just doing the one. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Okay, we're good. We're okay. We'll go with this one. Like, yeah. I just wonder sometimes. Um, the their phone conversations are like he hung up on me again. Like it's like they the acting is like. I want to say well, but, sixth grade, like you know, uh, like you know, uh, hype, spring musical over the top kind yeah. of thing. You know, well, the general, when you see him, you 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 recognize his face, but you have no. Again, he's been he's probably been the in, character actor. Yeah, he's a character actor. Yeah, but that he hangs up uh, every time. He always cuts him off. And he, yeah. see, that that might have been part of the. Because the when, comedy, the yeah. comedy. Because when the doctor says he hung up on me again, right? Yeah, it's like he's about to say, "Damn it!" Yeah, but you know, right. But, but there's, you know, we have a second victim before the. Well, no, we, right here, and that's coming yep. up. Yeah. So West attacks and kills a fisherman in the woods, and then encounters um, and frightens a little girl whose name is Carol, but she escapes unharmed. So what that I think what they're trying to show there, obviously, is that he's not just you know 
randomly killing every single person. He doesn't kill the little girl. He could, yeah. but he doesn't. Um, kind of thing. But, you know, he is very melty. And that's when the, that's when this, the, the girl girl's playing with the two boys and the whatever kind of thing. But she gets, shouldn't she get an honor? Like him, like he's like melted on her. Well, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the girl, I mean, the, the two boys and the girl that they want, they, they, they want to smoke. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. So and that, this, it's, I don't know why they, they could have been playing hopscotch for all they were doing, but then they, then they want to do hide and seek. Yeah. And so she goes off and you, well, they're hiding and she's counting. How far? How high do I count? You know, kind of yeah. things like that. Yeah. And then the thing is, and but again, I don't think the smoking part was needed, but they go play at the waterfall, and then that's when the girl gets the full reveal. Yeah. Of the next phase. Yeah. Right He's there. more melty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I, mean, I think that part. I think they're they're in there to show that these kids were just like you know not little goody goodies. They're just regular kids like you know yeah. trying to do whatever. Um, to where we, uh, and then she goes, no, when she, then she goes screaming into right. the town. Well, she's screaming, but she was like, look, that nurse can scream, but I think I can get there. And she can't, she can't beat the nurse. The yeah. nurse still has the highest scream of the movie. Oh, there's, there's a lot more screaming. What I'm saying is, but like the other screaming happens later, but like literally nothing. So, uh, Nelson and Perry arrive at the crime scene where the fisherman's body was found. Uh, the sheriff, Neil Blake suspects that Nelson knows something, but Nelson tells him he doesn't know anything. Um, because Perry had informed him earlier that any information about West West was classified. Yeah. Well, it was the, the I don't know if it was uh, another thing that uh, um, Baker did, but there's that they find the fisherman's head floating in. The I'm stream. sure it is. I'm sure it's it's yeah. it's got to be Baker. But you, but you never see. You just see. It looks like a uh, like a, a softball just yeah. floating down. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it was. I'm not not. I mean, but, if it wasn't actually, it was Baker. Is one of the guys working with him, just yeah. you know, dummy taking a dummy head and doing it up. Uh, later that night, Nelson returns home to his uh, his wife Judy, who is pregnant, uh, and who tells him that the their elderly mother Helen and her boyfriend Harold are coming over for dinner. Now, let's just before we start getting too deep into this, so he's bringing the general back to his house for dinner, and she goes, "Well, my mother and her boyfriend, can't we do this some other night?" Like, uh, yeah, I see where the comedy, comedy with a K, ugh, as as you can hear my eyes roll would have been put in here, right? Because the next scene, or scenes, well, anything with the mom and the boyfriend is all the comedy. Yeah, but it's the, mom, it's the husband. No, it's, it's her boyfriend, technically. It's, boyfriend. it's, it's her okay. boyfriend, right? Because he goes, how well do you know this boyfriend of hers? And they're like, and you're thinking like, okay, like he's, talking, he's talking with these two old people driving there, and they're bickering about where they should have stopped for well, we got lost. I took the long way. Let's go get a bottle of wine. Let's go get flowers. You know I hate flowers. So they're going to stop and pick oranges. Oranges, right? But they're not oranges. They're lemons. And then she's going to make a lemon meringue pie. When? When are you making this, lady? You're already two hours late to dinner. But, you know, but if you when you see this scene, it's it's an extended scene of the two of them in the car. Her her dialogue says to me that she's kind of hot and horny. Yeah, well, the mate, she might have been, but the whole point is is that like the the that's them being there whatever that whole it just goes on for kind of a long time it's 5 minutes for two people who aren't going to be involved any right. much longer in this and movie. The thing is, this is another one where they they just didn't think it through and as you're watching this, they their their interaction to me was was a little ridiculous, but they get out of the car and they're going to go pick the lemons. Or well, the oranges, oranges which right? become lemons. Becomes lemons. Yeah. But 
they have the, they obviously it's the middle of the night. Yeah. So they have the car lights on. Yeah. They're standing in front of the car. Yeah. They're brightly lit. Yeah. And the lights are behind them. Yep. I mean, nobody nobody saw that. Well, and, I don't think anyone cared. They needed because they're pregnant. Well, why? They probably tried shooting with the lights, going, "This is horrible. Light them. I can't see anything." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's bad if nineteen seventy-seven. So and then the next the next thing is they hear they hear noises, and so. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. He's picking the lemons. Where am I going to put them? She's like, and she picks up her dress to put them all in like the pocket of her dress. I'm like, that's oh, what I mean. It is boy. It is. It is uh, At no point there do you say, "Man, I hope they get away." What you're hoping is, man, I hope they kill them on camera. Like, that's really what you're hoping. Because there's no way in the world you want them. Because, you, okay, I get it. Maybe you're like, well, oh, my God, that reminds me of this person. No, it just, they deserve to die in this point in, in the film. And and uh, Steve West takes care of that. He kills them both. Um, okay, so when uh, Blake finds the bodies, so the, the sheriff finds the bodies, he calls Nelson, who comes out to identify them. Uh, Blake, obviously Blake is pretty angry and demands an explanation where Nelson re reluctantly reveals West's condition. Uh, the sheriff believes that West is somehow getting stronger the more bodies, right. uh, the more his body decomposes. And that's what we talked about before. It doesn't make any sense. How can he get, I mean, is, is it like the muscle to mass ratio or something? Like, at least throw some fake science. Jack Arnold this thing up. Like, pretend right. like there's some science. Yeah. Because guess what? As you say, I say wither, but as you like, so if you were if you were sick and losing weight, you don't all of a sudden just lose all the fat because trust me, they never want to be sick. You lose all your muscles first. Your muscle burns before the fat does. Yeah, right. I understand he's melting, but it, but, but it, like it's not like the muscles not melting. No, but but you could, <laughs> but he's really he's really dripping he's really dripping a lot. I mean, I, as I'm watching this, I'm saying, "Geez, if he melts anymore, is he going to be a skeleton?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what we what we haven't talked about is the photographer, because that that is an integral scene oh. in, the, in the movie. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So sorry. So that happens right before this. The photographer is taking, uh, trying pictures of this girl who's wearing clothes, but then he wants her to get naked. Right. It's very 1970s. Like you gotta uh, have the you gotta have nudity. Her name is Rainbow Smith. Okay. Well, that's what was her name. Okay, so, which, but the whole point is right. But the whole point is is like. It, it it doesn't actually him being like this disgusting lecherous person. You want him to get his comeuppance. He doesn't. Like you know, it's 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 what it is. I mean, it's in. But if 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 there's nothing that smacked of 1977, it's that scene. Right. Yeah. It's like again, we didn't it, need this. Didn't need, it was thrown in. Yeah. And then the, the problem is but, though, but not, if you the, cut all the scenes that feel like they were thrown in, this is a 17 minute short. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the thing that happens with this is that the photographer. Uh, when they when they discover the 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 bodies of the, yeah. the, the 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 parents, he's still clicking away. Oh yeah, and then they have to shoot him away. But this is one time where the girl doesn't get doesn't get eaten, and he doesn't get they. Well, you but you want him to right, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't. So you feel disappointed. <laughs> so um, where are we uh, when we're some upon the home. Okay, so uh, where are we here? Okay, so da -da 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 -da. someone's getting stronger. Deacon. Okay, back at Nelson's house, Wes attacks and kills Perry, uh, although Judy is not harmed. So he goes to so now uh, the general's at home with uh, with Nelson's pregnant wife. Right, and he's eating. 
he's eating a, a turkey leg. Uh, well, yeah, it's supposed to be chicken, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. So, um, and then he's like, Steve, what are you, and he's out there, and, and she gets killed, right, kind of thing, and Judy is screaming and whatever, um, but she is unharmed. And then um, Nelson and Blake arrive just as Wes is escaping the house. He's just getting away. He then stumbles upon the home of a married couple, and uh, West kills the man and then is attacking the wife. Now, the wife has got the barricading the the door. She's got the ice box. She's got the oven. Like I'm like, what else in this kitchen is not nailed down? She's just and she's screaming the whole time, just right. shoving stuff in front of there. And you know they said it was like you know act afraid. That's that probably was her entire. And I'm not trying again, Jay. You've never directed a movie. Got it. But I'm saying is I think that was her direction. Act afraid and then. We back up, you know, what is the old Roger Corman saying? Light and get away, you know, kind of thing. That's what it was. So, um, uh, but she's able to drive him off after chopping off his arm with a cleaver. So now he's got an arm off. Uh, he's got an arm off there. <laughs> um, so Blake uh, receives a call about the attack and he takes Nelson with him to investigate. So now, so now we've got, we've got the arm hacked off the body. So now you've got West walking around dripping everywhere i mean there's just parts him on leaves and everything. and he's radioactive so he's just walking a pile of radioactivity just walking around the countryside right all filmed all and around the same location by the way all the woods are the same everything was filmed in the same little spot and we'll talk more about that at the end um in fact at a point where when i'm watching the movie i'm thinking like is this the same house that they live in and i think it is just the other side of it i think like because right. the way they show they never show you like in 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 uh, you know in um, Ted's house, they only show you certain rooms, yeah. and then in the other house, they only show you certain rooms. Yeah. None of the rooms match up because I think they're the other. I think they had one house, right? Yeah. So the thing, the one thing that that uh, that happens right just right around this time is that the doctor comes. He, he they realize that uh, West has been has killed yeah. the uh, the general, and his wife is hysterical. Yeah, and she's and then you hear. Uh, he goes running into the house, but she's so nervous, and you can see that she's she's petrified, right? And the only jump scare in the movie, he puts his hand on her shoulder, and you think it might be the melting man because yeah. he's been in the yeah. house. That's the only jump scare in the movie, but it works. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they that's always, true. Yeah, they have one. Um, so, okay, so they go back. They say so they track West to a giant power plant. Um, which was very reminiscent of, I, I immediately thought of the Hideous Sun Demon. Like, with, remember the Hideous Sun yeah, Demon? It's yeah. not a power plant, but remember that they're going up the conservatory or whatever? Uh, at no point, though, did, did the guy put his arms down and the, all the glue come off and all the sweat pour out like an Hideous Sun Demon. But that's what I thought of. Like, we're going to chase this guy up this thing. Yeah, well, before, the, the, what I thought was the uh, actually the best scene, uh, the best acting scene in the movie, the sheriff and the doctor are, are, are at the crime scene uh, and... The the sheriff gives this di this this long reasoning to the doctor uh, why he shouldn't do this why we got to do this and that that actor did a pretty good job there was no fumbling no nothing yeah. and so then they go off to the right uh, to the yeah, power plant to the power plant. so now they're chasing him so the the sheriff's got a shotgun and tries to shoot excuse me shoot him but West stops him. Uh, uh, from shooting, from shooting him, and then he gives West the gun. So he goes, "Let's let's surround him, right?" So 
Blake tries to then shoot West with the shotgun, but West then throws the sheriff into the power lines. So if you didn't know it was a dummy, you could tell the dummy when it hits the lines. Um, the head didn't get, so it wasn't as bad as like Dr. Butcher MD when the head comes off and midway through the, and the arm dislocates and it hits the ground and pops apart. Um, so he hits the power lines, killing him. West then knocks Nelson over the railing, leaving the doctor hanging onto the side. Uh, Nelson appeals to Dr. To, to Dr. West, to West, uh, reminding him that uh, they're friends and West decides to pull Nelson to safety. So like, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of like, well, we want to give him a redemption here, right? Yeah, because yeah. we're not going to give him any redemption because the two armed security guards show up and in a panic shoot the, not the melting guy, the doctor. <laughs> no, no, don't shoot him. He's just sick. Bam, bam. Take that. We'll take that medicine. We'll shoot you. This is the old shoot now and don't worry about the questions later. Um, and then, uh, so they shoot him in the face and he, as he tries to protect West. Uh, West is then infuriated, kills the security guards and stumbles away, right? So he kills the security guards anyway who don't shoot the melting guy who's killed everybody. Um, after collapsing against the side of a building, building he slowly and completely starts to melt oh, into just a pile of garbage. Yeah, this was uh, like from The Wizard of Oz. I'm melting! Yeah. I'm melting! Well, I think that's what they were going for. Uh, the next morning, the janitor finds his gory remains and casually mops them up into a garbage can. Okay, so I'm just going to stop there. This is my favorite scene in the entire movie. And, and again, I love the effects. Brick Baker did a great job with the melting effects. My favorite scene is the janitor because he's just like, oh, he's so disgusted. He's like, basically... He, he's like, who put this here? It, the garbage is right here. And it's like, you can just see the disgust on his face. And he sweeps it all up. He sweeps up the incredible melting man. He is dumped into a trash bin to be ever forgotten. Everyone who knows about him or where he was is dead. Or the two women uh, who were attacked, they're like completely, I mean, like his wife is his, was hysterical. The other woman's like probably traumatized the rest of her life, got his, you know, severed arm at her house. Like, it's just like, oh, that's how it ends. And then, of course, we have the uh, radio report announcing that the next crewed mission to Saturn is ready to launch. Oh. And it's like, I mean, I understand that, that that's like the 70s stinger at the end. There was never going to be an incredible Melting Man 2. But this movie is. It, uh, weird uh, to say the least. Well, the, um, yeah, I mean the 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 the, uh, the news report. It it actually actually there were there were lies and support and it's supposedly upbeat that we're, that we're going to go back back into to space, Saturn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the the, the lies were that uh, that uh, that West uh, yeah, doc, yeah West the, and, yeah. and the Steve astronauts. West and the astronauts you know, they're vacationing. The right. Well, they're vacationing and whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's the whole point. Yeah, like they didn't die. Yeah. I, you know, again, you're right about the ending with the when because he it looks like he's just disgusted. Man, they couldn't have right. The garbage is right there. Yeah. How'd you miss the? That's what it is. That's yeah. why I think I love that thing. So, um, one of the posters for this movie actually says, uh, and I quote: "Rick Baker, the new master of special effects, who brought you the magic of the Exorcist and gave you the wonder of King Kong. We can't escape it. Um, now brings you the greatest creation, the Incredible Melting Man. So you're saying, Jay." He didn't work on The Exorcist, but wait, there's more. Um, Rick Baker actually did do some preliminary work with Dick Smith on The Exorcist, but never 
did a, the very yeah, okay. but very very early he did because he's a Dick Smith. Um, you know, he's he's one of Dick Smith's. Uh, you know, disciples, right? He done some very early work on it, but never anything that was ever credited. And then he went on to do whatever. And then he oh, went Kong, Kong was the, the Kong seventy six seventy six. But, but I'm no no. But I'm saying is. Rick Baker didn't do the effects in The Exorcist. The poster makes it sound like he did them, not Dick Smith. Yeah. He was very early on with Dick Smith doing some of the preliminary work, and then he went on to go do... Because remember, Kong took two years or so to make, and, and that comes out in 76, so you're talking like 75, 74. I mean, it's right when The Exorcist would have been, you know, after the filming of that right. and whatever. And, and he had gone on to work with other things. Um, uh, obviously, um, the the uh, William Freakton became... Enraged by the poster um, because he said, "There's because the he was Baker didn't do the effects in the actually Dick Smith to the point where anytime he saw one, he would rip it down right. off the wall because William Freakton is always a man known for his you know calm, demure like you know uh, sensibilities about him. Never once going over the top or you know firing a gun on set to scare the hell out of everybody to make sure the tension was high. Um, and as he said, he goes." Uh, he said, uh, Rick Baker later, he said, you know, Dick wanted some help, uh, so I first went out to do some work on a dummy whose head would turn around 360 degrees. Really didn't do anything creative, just did some labor. Right. And, but nothing, nothing ever exploits like exploitation. Right. The Incredible Melting Man, if you're not going to exploit, well, he worked, that's like saying, that's like saying um, that Rick Baker did the howling. No. Rick Baker didn't do the howling. Rick Baker did American Werewolf in London. But Rick Baker was supposed to do the howling 100%. He was signed on to do the howling. And what happened was John Landis, and again, however you might feel about John Landis, right, had said, hey, wait, I thought you were going to do my movie. He goes, oh, I did say I was going to do yours. Rob Bottin, my apprentice, is going to do the howling. Right. I'm going to go do whatever. Because all the... They tell a very interesting story about that. Is all the stuff he did for American Werewolf in London, the change of heads and the whatever. Those were ideas he was thinking about for, for, for I mean, for American. Yeah, he was going to use them in the Howling, but that's why when you see the Howling, the 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 uh, werewolf effects are so different. They're all right. bladders and whatever, which is cutting edge at the time. I'm not taking away from it. And it actually still looks really cool. But what Botine did, Botine then said, okay, if he's going to do. Uh, you know, four legs. We're gonna do two legs. He like right. he tried to make it different. And when you put those two movies side to side, um, it's, whatever you might feel about the story, because some people have said the Howling has no story. Some people feel there's too much comedy in America. This is what the criteria. Oh, no. uh, they people feel the Howling has no story, and there's just too much comedy in American Werewolf in London. Then, but if you just look at them as werewolf movies, right? The American Werewolf in London has. Everything done in camera, bright lights. Like this right. is, I mean, that was cutting edge, insane stuff. And the only, the only comedy in that is the, is the early, the early scenes in American Werewolf in London. Yes, a lot of it's played for like black humor jokes. Oh. Like the, the like they're in a, they're in a porn theater, and the, the, the porn behind them oh, has yeah. got it's whatever, and and then it's like. There, it's it's all about yeah, those yeah. things. That it's all it's 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 a John Landis movie, so it cannot be taken seriously because he's not a serious person who doesn't really seem to value you know human life and stuff like that anyway. Um, but the Howling, one hundred percent. There's nothing funny. But no. The the only funny thing might be what's on the television. It's because it's the Big Bad Wolf, right, right. with the, the three little pigs, the, yeah. and maybe Dick Smith, uh, not Dick Smith. Um, Oh, I just forgot his name. The um, 
he's in the and now it's blanket. It's not Dick Smith, um, because he's a special effects guy. The um, in the in the in the um, the shop when they go in to get the books about lycanthropy and stuff like that, and the nuns are in there looking at the books about Satanism and whatever. The um, uh, uh, Dick Miller, oh, the Dick Miller scene. His and he's not funny. But he's like, ah, yeah, it's over here. Oh yeah, get out of here. We like, like it's because he plays a grumpy shop owner because that's why he's an amazing. He was an amazing character actor, right? But that's what I'm saying is, though, some people have felt that when you look at the effects here and and, and, and you see somebody who understands what they're doing. I mean, whether or not uh, you know Rick Baker did any work on The Exorcist is immaterial. the The reality is, what Baker's got going on here. And again, people might look at Kong 76 and like, oh, well, I don't like this and like that, whatever. About The one that you can say is what, Rick Baker, suit is really his good. suit is the best part of that movie. There are a lot of things in that movie that are bad. His suit is one of the best things. And people say, well, but, but you know, he's standing straight up and down. And Rick Baker tried to not have him stand straight up and down. That's why he tries to hunch as much as he can. That's the problem. Yeah. Is It's not Baker's suit. It was... Uh, uh, Laurentis is, you know, he, what his vision and, uh, and, and yeah, and and uh, Carlos uh, Rambaldi's, you know, selling them a bill of goods and it's all the other stuff. It wasn't Baker, yeah. and then to think that Rick Baker would go on to do, I mean, the stuff that he, I mean, phenomenal, and that he is such when you when you hear him talk, Rick Baker is not like like when you look at Phil. And I don't mean to be mean, but we met Phil Tippett, and he looked this way when we met him. Yeah. Phil Tippett looks like a homeless person. Right. Right? Um, but he's amazing, and when he talks, he's so you know insightful and whatever. But he doesn't come across as like someone who's, like, he doesn't wear, like, suits and stuff. When you see Rick Baker a lot of times, his hair is always, was always pulled oh, back, right? right? He's, he's gray or whatever, but he always looks suit. He's very professional, and he's always got a little giggle. He's always, like, right. went over, and you're like, man, this guy's, like, the best special effects right. artist maybe in a generation. He's a regular guy. And he, well... But he's also like, kind of like, oh, let me see what, I, let me see if I can help you here, and let's do this. And you're like, oh, that's awesome, because that's what happened. Well, but think about it. Like when we met Steve Wang, the same thing. Like they come, they're just regular guys right. that happen to be phenomenal right. at doing things that right. I wish I could do. do. You yeah. know, um, but when you look here, you can see his effects here as they're getting. You know, he's getting the next level, but he's working, trying to go beyond what the scope of what was limiting special effects, in quote-unquote, limiting special effects in 1977. And as you move on to the early 80s and, you know, the thing with silicone and, you know, making suits that have no seams and all that. And that's all the stuff. They even Stan Winston and all, you know, all those guys. I mean, without Stan Winston, you know, Matt Rose uh, and, and, and and Steve Wang and all those guys, they all came out of that. And you also had, you know, all the other guys who came out of that, those, that, that boon of special effects, that real, spe they, when special effects were practical makeups even the Tom Savini's in the world and the whatever, you know, kind of thing, those things, all that stuff happening, they were all pushing themselves. Yeah. But if you look in 1977, I don't remember a movie where a guy is melting like this. No. I, the, you know, the one thing I found with this movie is that obviously Baker had done the, uh, the suit effect in Kong. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't this anonymous guy. But uh, <clears throat> his special effects here, this melting... Uh, uh, scenario that, yeah. that he puts together is in a way is limited in this movie because a lot of the scenes that you see him in are dark yeah so, so why again that's another one if you've got a guy who's got one of the one of the best makeup effects to to date yeah right practical effects to date why would you why would you make it dark 
I mean, the only time I believe, I think when the girl finds him at the uh, at the at the well, it's daytime the, now. Yeah, yeah, it's daytime, but even at night, you, you see him, and it's and it's fleeting. <clears throat> the, the camera's not lingering on him. Now it could be because the the melting thing takes, you know, it, it's it's happening too quickly, and the longer you keep. The yeah. uh, the camera on him, he's going to stop melting because yeah. the, the stuff is going to fall yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but that's the only that's the only negative I found of, of that is that you you want to see the the uh, the melting. Yeah, and again, sometimes it's dark. Yeah. Now, I mean, we get like you, you know we do a lot of different movies, and some movies are obviously better than others. I found this thing to be just a bad movie from the acting all the way on down, and there were just bits and pieces. That I could pull out. Forget about the special effects. The, the movie itself looked like it was done for a dollar sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. And when you have a dollar sixty-five movie, don't cheat the the people who are watching this dollar sixty-five movie by not showing you the effect more. Yeah. And, and, well, and, be as it may. So uh, you know, as we said, um, you know, Rob Bottin, of course. Uh, paid homage to this in RoboCop. He actually dubbed um, the suit they did there on Emil the Melting Man suit, right. um, and then they splatter him all over the windshield. Um, the uh, when this was on Misty, what we said it was on. I said it was on Misty. Um, it was uh, season where this fourth episode of season seven. So this is during the Mike Nelson time. Mike Nelson describing this movie, probably the best description of this movie ever. He says, "I quote: The plot is, and I'm not kidding you here." The plot is a guy melting. That's the plot. It's true. The plot is a guy melting. Right. Like so, the elevator pitches this. Okay, we got a guy from. He's a. He's a. He's coming back from space and he's melting. Oh, you got me, buddy. This is a guy who's like my daughter was melting crayons at home and I got an idea. That's what's happening anyway. So um, the whole point is, folks. Again, this is. Uh, you know, it's. It's certainly not going to win any awards uh, for best movies. I mean, I'm sure someone loves this movie, but the one thing I can tell you about the the Incredible Melting Man is that um, you you will remember the, the the special effects long after you forget the plot of the movie. Although the plot is that he's melting, um, and to me, I mean, again, my most memorable, my favorite scene in the entire movie is the janitor cleaning up at the end, which I think is telling about the movie as well, because um, I think that's the most authentic performance in the film, um, is the janitor looking angry, which could have been a real janitor, really angry, one day. Um, so, But I wanted to make sure we covered it this year, because I didn't think there'd be another time, because it's an anniversary year, I didn't think there'd be another chance to, you know, it's, four, it's four, this movie's 45 years old, yeah. another chance to talk about it, because why would this come up again? You know, we'd have to wait another five years till it's 50 years old, um, but I figured this would be a good place to talk about it. So, um, what's coming up next is our Christmas episode, which is going to be the Christmas quote unquote episode of the dark room. Now the Christmas episode of the dark room has nothing to do with Christmas. It just happened to air on Christmas back in the day. And that's what dad and I are going to cover for our Christmas episode. Um, so that's the next time you'll hear us here, uh, talking about that. And then like you said, the dark room, there's only a few more left to go. We will probably, we'll finish them up sometime in the new year. And then nightmares will be coming, which is the rest of the dark room episodes, yeah. all sewn into a movie turn the you know put some swearing in get some new get some uh, blood going and then trying to figure out you know um you know it's a, a, a tv series that a lot of people i know uh until dad and i were talking about might never have seen it and if they have they probably forgot it you know right. unlike unlike we, we've already we have now we've already seen in the last year to two years 
Kolchak, the Night Stalker, the entire Blu-ray set come out from Kino Lobert. The Night Gallery, you know, season one and season two are out in on on Blu-ray. I mean, those are things people remember. Even though Night Stalker wasn't long lived, people remember the Night Stalker. People remember the Twilight Zone for sure. And depending on how old you are, probably remember the Night Gallery even by name, if not necessarily episodes of it. Um, but the Dark Room definitely fell in that time when it kind of got dumped. It kind of came and went. And literally the best episode of this whole, the best episode of it was what sunk it. So, um, but like I said, we'll come back and do that for Christmas and then we'll close out the year with some other zany 70s action for you. Um, because if you thought The Incredible Melting Man was crazy, wait till you see the stuff we got coming at you to end the year. So, is that about it, Dad? I think we're good on Incredible yep. Melting Man. Yep. Um, so, until next time, folks, like we say right here, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo. Once a city of six million people, what has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi, folks. Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti. And search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?